0: There we go. I think, it, I think it's um, So, um, some of you guys I know haven't been in, in this class. Some of the people that have are gone. Um, and I, I really hope that. That's um, wrong. It's not my computer. <laughs> Don't get the wrong idea. Uh, It's one of the RYM interns' uh, computer, and huh? Okay. Well, I, I don't know what the other slide is. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, but anyhow, this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, the um, and I'll wrap up this up at the end that I hope that we get out of it. I was really, it's it's my it is my passion and my passion for you guys because these guys are my youth group. A lot of these guys are all these guys are. Um, and I hope it's yours, at least one of your big passions as well. Um, but instead of, I'm not going to really go through a. And something you guys see. This we're not going to go through a review because um, we kept on going over. I could not get everything in. Um, I wish I'd had a little more time because I would have stayed more in that one passage in, in Acts. Uh, but I'm not. Uh, not really my thing. I'm not really a preacher. Cyrus, last night. Was, was amazing. I thought that was just an amazing picture, amazing story. And if I could have put that into today's, that is really what today's talk is, that whole thing about the the mosaic and the um, all of the little compartments and all the little pieces. Um, that's what I would try to portray to you guys today. I'm not sure if you knew quite get that out of me speaking it. So I guess God has something else for you to hear from me. <laughs> At least I pray he does. Um, so anyhow, I I put a few things up that I'll briefly hit on, and then there's one thing big that I want to hit on. It's a concept that I've worked on for a long time. Two things, and I would say, I'll just say about well up front. Um, I thought a lot about it, I read a lot about what it means to rest. And um, I'm not going to go into all of that, but I think that's a big thing for community. Um, and that's a big way that we have impact on the world is when we need rest well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't just mean physical rest; that really more means uh, resting in Jesus, and that changes the way we relate to the world. And then the other the other thing I'll say, the other big word that I, I've looked at a lot is the idea of being shalom. And um, I try and teach my kids, and I try and teach my students, especially my college students, what it means to be shalom. Because a lot of them are going out into the world and don't know what they're supposed to do. And I, they missed the point that that's not really the point. It's a, not what your job is or not that kind of thing. But the point is whatever you're doing to be shalom. So I'm going to go into those. But here's a few things real quick that we'll go through. Uh, th- this is the one this to me. This is being shalom, uh, the salt and light for the world, from Matthew chapter five. Um, Matthew uh, five. If, if I don't mention it when we get to it, you know, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and that's Jesus telling you what kingdom living is because goes through the attitudes and right after the attitudes it gets to the point of being salt and light Um, it's uh, really a cool picture if I had time I'll explain what was enlightened to me by somebody about that Um, and then Shalom and then uh, this whole idea of finding uh, Jesus precious and then because of that proclaiming the excellency of God to the world and then um, the other thing would be the idea of being uh, the new race, uh, the new humans, and the world should see us as humans should be and see the supernatural love we have for each other, all of one anotherings, and that should have an effect on the world as well. So, and there you go. And, th- and that's the ultimate, the end effect that all this would have. Um, but it's not just that. We'll go. I'll, I'll, you'll see me explain it. Um, so let's read this again, and I added um, the last... Uh, part, which I t- took out of some of the other ones because uh, I said that I wanted to save it for today. So again, this is the picture, if you weren't here before, this is the picture of the early uh, community, the early church. Uh, it's a beautiful picture. It's a picture that we have in uh, sometimes in our church, that we have sometimes in our youth group, that we have always on our mission trips, and that we have often on big retreats, because it's in a very concentrated form. But this is, um, this is community. So let's read it. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and receive their food with glad and generous hearts praising god and having favor with all the people and then this is the last part which i didn't put in all of it and the lord added to their their number day by day those who were being saved um so if we're talking about the impact on our world i mean if we have this community um if we have this community where we're devoted, like I guess I should go back to it, where we're devoted like I am to my coffee. <laughs> I know, some people came to me and told me how ridiculous I was. Uh, but really, that's how ridiculous we should be about our community, about God's word, about fellowship, I mean, with each other. Um, about the breaking of bread and, and, and about prayer. Um, the breaking of bread—I've read some about this because it intrigued me. This this whole passage, and um, from what I've been able to read, so, some people say it might just been having meals together. Uh, some people said it might have been having meals and communion. Um, I think—I I think Francis Chan says he, he considers it having communion. Um, but whatever. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that communion is a meal. In I, your Do you guys always do food in your youth group? I made a mistake once. I thought, I'm going to pare this down and make this easier. I took food out. I thought it was going to have a riot. And I'll put it right, immediately put it right back in. There's something about sharing food together. I'm not really sure. You know, when you usually go out on a date, you end up at dinner. You know, you think, when I take my wife on the anniversary, we always go out for food. When I want to have friends, there's something about a meal. But anyhow, um, but these are the things that they devoted themselves to. And, and this was, uh, it was a picture. As a matter of fact, if you look at, um, you start looking at this, and you, oh, let me see. Uh, all we believed were together, had all things in common. You start to see the one anotherings, uh, sort of and started some possessions, and they were given to anybody who had a need, and they were fellowship, all these things, it, it starts to look like the one anotherings that we went through. And, um, and, and this is the result, this is the, the, the benefits to the world. Um, so I think it was Francis Chan had a quote here, I wish I'd written down who said it but he says um, that you cannot win the world apart from community Um, and uh, I could have pulled up all the verses but I thought there was too many verses but it does talk a lot about that Um, here's another thing that the um, John thirteen thirty five. by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the love that we talk about in community, again, it's like a supernatural love. It's a, you know, we're just love like Jesus loved. Do you guys remember what I said? How did Jesus love? See if I'm used I did this more at the school. do you were There. remember how Jesus loved? Unconditionally. huh Unconditionally. Very good. So Jesus loved Unconditionally. First, he loved us first. Selflessly. Huh? Selflessly. Well, that would be the... And the other one was... Sacrificially. There you go, sacrificially. So God, Jesus loved us first. He loved us unconditionally. He loved us sacrificially. And when we start doing it one another in seeing community, because of what God's done for us, for the grace he's shown us by his death on the cross, by his making his children, by giving us the eternal inheritance, by giving letting us inherit everything that Jesus did, then we start to love each other. And, and uh, we can love people first before they love us, and even if they don't love us, you know, love your enemies, that whole thing. We can uh, love each other sacrificially. Um, some of my uh, leaders do an amazing job of loving. I mean, that guy right there, high school student, came to camp with me last week because I needed another counselor. Um, he was, I'll tell you what, he gave me a week of, Probably not much sleep, and the kids in his cabin just gave him grief for a week. Did they not? Did they not? Good. And uh, that was a sacrificial love for people, because I think it was the fact that he knows Jesus loves him, and he loves our community. Um, and uh, what was that wrong? Sacrificially, sacrificially. Oh, unconditionally, and unconditionally un- and sacrificially. So that was sacrificially and unconditionally. And when the world sees that, they will know there's something different about you. And um, um, so the question is, that supernatural love that we have for one another, would people notice the supernatural love of your community, of your youth, of your church, of your small group, or whatever it is, if they walked into your gathering, would they have noticed that supernatural love? And if they do, you know that's going to be, that's an attractive thing. I'm going to tell you some stories in a little bit. Um, I'll go through a couple other more of the theological stuff, and then I, I want to tell you some stories again, so you can see how this works. Um, and I said about finding Jesus precious, I, I probably have mentioned this, because this has been one of my uh, things more recently. For the last few months, uh, again, John Piper pointed this out to me in one of his Sermons. I like to read John Piper's sermons. I don't like to listen to them. But I read his sermons all the time. Um, I, I can't stay attentive. I'll, I wander. Too many things get in the way. If I read it, I can go back to it. It's not John Piper. It's me. It's 100% me. Um, so uh, 1 Peter 2 7, again, my favorite verse. But now to you who believe, he talks about the building stone of the church, talking about Jesus. So I'm going to take the stone out. And I'll put Jesus in. So now, to you who believe Jesus is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone but you are a ch- and then he goes. we 'll skip what, there's one verse there I skipped but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and in community we it, it, community is a uh, is way that I have found the person of Jesus precious. I've, I've read this stuff before, but it was between John Piper and um, Bob Loefer and Deborah, I can't remember her last name, she's Ramirez, uh, they are people with uh, Paul Miller's group. I began to find Jesus the person of Jesus precious. And it's it's a really moving thing. I mean, here I went to I was a Bible major in college. I've been in ministry full time for right? twenty years. I've been in ministry for since like nineteen seventy six, and I'm just not working. Just starting to see that the person of Jesus, not just the words of Jesus. So, with the words of Jesus and the person of Jesus together, and then you start to find Jesus precious. And when community does that for you, and when the community, find precious, the community finds Jesus precious, and community finds. Uh, the things that Jesus finds precious, that we find like, like our community, like right, our church, then we can we start to proclaim uh, the excellencies of Him who called us out of the darkness into His marvelous light. Now, Don Piper says that the degree to which you find Jesus precious is the degree to which you can proclaim, you can have an effective witness. So, if you find Jesus precious, <coughs> then yeah, you'll do that. If you find Jesus more precious. And you'll do it more and more and more. So if you get to the point where you'll sell everything joyfully. And you know what I mean when sell everything? I don't necessarily mean selling everything. It might mean selling everything. But what is it that you find more precious than Jesus? Are you willing to give that up? When you find Jesus so precious that you can give it up. When your community finds Jesus so precious they can forgo things for the sake of Jesus. And they joyously forgo him. Then you can thank His Excellencies. Hmm. Um, again, you could—I could read that quote again. You cannot win the world apart from community. After that, um, so here's one of the things I want to talk about just a little bit, uh, and I want to tell you a few stories. Um, uh, Matthew five thirteen. So th- before he does the beatitudes here, which are. John Stott has a study, if you want to do it for YouTube, look at the John Stott study on the Beatitudes. Amazing study, it's just life changing. Um, but he goes through, um, the in the Beatitudes it's a progression and it's what gospel living is about. I don't think each one of the Beatitudes belongs to different people, I think it belongs to believers in general. And I think that you know the first one is poor in spirit, the second one is, um, what's the second one, somebody else mournful, uh, and so forth. And so when you're poor in spirit, when you realize that you don't have anything, just nothing you can offer, and you realize that you're sinful and so forth, then, then you become mournful. And it's a progression. If you look at the progression, it's a progression. And when you get to the last one, it kind of brings you back to the first one again. And then he goes, because of that, then you are the salt of the earth. This is, this is the results of it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses the salt, saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good to anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town cannot be build, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. They said they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, uh, a Christian community that is, devoted to those things, Christians who are devoted to those things, we become the salt and light of the earth. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to go into all the details, but you can look it up. But but the idea of salt is being a preserver. The idea of light is you know, to shine the light of things. We, we are to make the world taste good. We are to make the world look good. We are to um, be the ones that keep some of the evils of the world from being here. So, um, that's the result of being in a community. Here's a hands-on picture. Uh, my daughter, um, my youngest daughter is 15. Uh, she's in 10th grade. Uh, she went to a White House Christian Academy with Matthew and with Rachel. And, oh no, sorry, you were from school, never mind. With Rachel. And um, she, uh, did, how many kids were in your class? Six. There are six kids in the eighth grade class, the whole class, it's a small school. And they are tight. They still get together all the time. They're tight. Uh, and my daughter is the very best friends in the world. And um, she loved it. She loved school and loved it. Uh, at the school, she goes to 8th grade, so when she went to ninth grade, uh, she had to go to her public school. We could have homeschooled her, but we... I told... My wife and I talked a lot about it, and I said, I don't think... I, think that, I don't think the Bible tells me that my kids are not supposed to be soft and that... Uh, I, don't, I, I think the school needs our daughter there because she's a Christian. That school certainly needs to taste better. That school certainly needs light. Mm-hmm. And so um, we sent our daughter to the public school. There's 1,200 students in this school. Um, it devastated my daughter. And she was in uh, these big classes and uh, she was, uh, she entered with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and, just yes, she felt so lonely. There's so many people there, and and none of her classmates were in the class. And she had she probably long time pause. And uh, she it, finally, after a while, she finally came around. She figured out how to handle it. And she, you know the, the, the classes are all done on computers. That drove me nuts because I couldn't understand what they were teaching her. Uh, the, the, but anyhow, uh, I would tell her I would do devotions with her in the morning, and I would tell her start out probably at least three times a week. Now I tell her once a week or twice a week, somehow that you know she needs to be soft, right? like School, her school needs her. And I uh, would remind her of that, her devotions, and so forth, and she would come home with these stories, how she would, or so-so, and it's hurting, and she went for armor or whatever. So, um, I don't know if you know this story, one day she uh, came home her freshman year, and she said, uh, oh, there was a girl, and she always sits by herself, and, they pays attention to and she's kind of awkward. So, my friend, who's actually on the volleyball team, but who's a Christian, she's on the volleyball team, she said, who is who sat with? Her. I said, that, That's what I'm talking about, and they sat with her. And the thing about that is that you had the chance of being ostracized because you're sitting with a nerd. But they didn't, they, they wanted to do that. And so they continued to pay attention to her, and uh, at one point she came back and she said that, well, we, you know, we did something for her, and she took offense to it but it was something sweet. And I said, we did. And I said, but, but, but we still, we're still pursuing her. And then a couple weeks later, she came back and she said, well, this is garage. They said, well, she says she's a lesbian. And I said, well, you know, she's the image of God she needs your love. That's, that's great. They love her well. And uh, so she did. And she stayed. And then she said, uh, came back and she says, oh, um, there's a girl that she's really interested in now. They're really in her business but whatever, and uh, she continued to uh, pursue the friendship, and then she comes home a couple of days later, and she goes, oh, the girl's me. <laughs> so, uh, but anyhow, it, it was really a sweet story, because then she, uh, about a week later, she goes, oh, she's got a boyfriend now. So, um, she, the girl's obviously very confused, and uh, it turns out that the girl is on testing, and it's a special needs kid. Uh, I didn't know that at first, and uh, and, uh, but I thought that my daughter did a great job mm-hmm. of loving well and being salt and light to this to this girl. My daughter and this other girl—I can't remember the girls' name. That um, Names, Tabitha. Tabitha's the girl that, that. Okay. Oh. Um. But anyhow, um. I I that, I think that that's what she's supposed to do. If, I think a lot is confusing for my daughter, and uh, but my daughter has a number of her friends now at school are. Either, well, at least they claim to be either gay or bisexual or whatever. And um, she um, she said to me one day. She says, um, "I just want people." And she does. And but I did tell her. And here's where it comes back to community. I did tell her. I said, "You understand that when the, the people that you're around a lot, the people that counsel you, are the people that shape your worldview. They you shape the way." You your truth and the way you think you think. And of course, the truth comes from the Bible. And I said, so you have to be around your Christian friends more than your non-Christian friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she, and so here's, here's, here's what she does. In uh, youth group, she'll bring her um, non-Christian friends to youth group. And we'll have prayer requests and she'll ask us right in front of the face, to pray for her non-Christian friends come the faith. And so much so that now it's gotten to the point where she says, "Well, ask for prayer class and she goes, you know. <laughs> and literally, they're sitting right there with us, and they know who we're talking about. And so we pray for her non-Christian friends right in front of their face that they come to faith. Uh, but she's very passionate about it. Um, she don't know that she would have done that just with me, just with her family, but because she had, and, and some of these kids that she hangs out with that are Christians don't go to our church, don't go to our youth group, but they are believers in their age, And they have, and, and Rachel, so you've had a bigger impact than you know, just the fact that you are her friend, and that you've been in school with her, that she has that support and everything. So uh, that's just a little picture for a high school student of how we can be solved in life. The other thing that we do is, that. Um, I don't know well, you um, yeah, I'll you here. So, you know, we, we said that, that the world would know us by how we love the world world, uh, uh, the uh, community, that the, the world would desire this community. Um, I've had students over the years, I had a student that um, in high school, he just didn't have that many friends. I mean, he's a great guy. And he's not Funny looking or nerdy, or you know, he was fairly athletic. He wasn't, I don't know if he's on any of the sports teams, but just a nice guy. For some reason, I had no idea why, but he didn't have a lot of friends. And somehow he found uh, Youth Group. And uh, he is an atheist. And he can use it all the time. All time. And uh, he just, and he found people that loved him that weren't really his friends, that became his friends, literally my youth group was mature enough in effect to do this for him. And um, he, interesting thing is, uh, he still doesn't have faith. He's a really good friend of mine. And he's a really good friend of a lot of my college or older kids he's older. And um, I would say it was probably three years after coming to youth group as an atheist, uh, we were doing prayer requests. And he says, um, I got a request. I'm looking around like, what? Uh, And he he had a, as a a 15-year-old, he had melanoma, which if you guys know what that is, that's a type of skin cancer that can be really, really severe, and he was having a uh, five-year checkup to show whether he was cancer-free or not. You know, I don't know uh, if i will come to faith ever. I do know that our youth group loved him well, um, and uh, that they were salt and light to him. Uh, We have a couple other kids. that are um, really awkward socially. And uh, our youth group has done a good job. Uh, They're really hard to love. They're really hard to include in the group. And um, I'm not talking about you, (laughs) Um, And and, uh, they have done a good job of loving them. And um, I think that that's an amazing picture of the effects of the grace of God and us upon others. I, I think every youth group should have a kid like that. It, it, it's, it's what, you know, talk about, think people wrote up against you and shown you a sin, or she give me the opportunity to um, love fast, sacrificially and first and unconditionally, um, that, that's it. I, I don't want to talk too much about that, because I mean, it just here and I don't want to. But uh, um, the other uh, the the thing, I want to talk a little bit about Shalom, because uh, i thought a lot about this. I really should study this more. I'm not really a, a a really good student or a theologian. Um, I have a hard time sitting still, so that's difficult to read to a book uh, in, all, in all honesty. Um, but, oh, let me just back up in this. I want to tell you this in the beginning, a view of the salt of the world. Um, Talking about rest, this is where this came into play. Um, so, in order for, if if my daughter, i use her as an example. But you, you, know, you guys can you use this in your work or anything. But my daughter, if she's to be swamped in my world, she has to be in the world. If she's always in youth group with youth group people, then you're in a place that's already shining and salty. You. It, it, you know, I mean, it's it's fine, but it doesn't do what you put supposed to do. Um, but if you are in the world, if you're in a high school with 12 hundred kids who are most of them don't know Jesus, and you're trying to be swamped in that world, uh, after a while, it, you're going to get some reserve of the world Some of your attitudes are going to change. Some of your views are going to change. You may pick up and join in some of the things that you shouldn't be doing, and so forth. And I think that that's because we're human because we have not been made perfect yet, that's going to happen. And so I think what rest is, and why the community is so important, why church is so important, is you go to church on Sunday. And you go and you confess your sin. You go and get the assurance of your pardon. You go and sing and worship. I, and I'm not really sure, I'm sure Joe Dee can tell you about this. I don't understand, I know it's true, and it's true for me. I, wrote, I know it, that you singing does something and it, it expresses things in a way it works, although we cannot, and I can't explain it to you. I'm not a musician. I know that's true, because it's really true for me. Um, it reorients your uh, your heart and your mind and your worldview, and you get to. To have the corporate praying for you, and you get to, and then you get to be reminded of the gospel. I think you get reminded of the gospel every Sunday. And you should be refreshed, have a smile on your face, and be ready to go in the world, and get dirty again, and be ready to go and do this. But if you do this during the week, by the end of the week, you might be exhausted. You might be, you know, just the uh, all the the dirt in the world could get you down. I. Um, I try to read uh, the news in the morning. I uh, usually read the news before I do devotions, and here's why. I, I don't read all the news. I just have a short thing. I just kind of get the general thing. I wonder what's going on. I should know what's going on in the world. And, um, but a lot of times when I'm done reading the, reading the news, I'm like, well, I you I want to this world, or this is this or, Oh, it's or all that kind of stuff. And, and usually I go listen to, <laughs> I go listen to one song from John Foreman. Uh, is called um, In the House of God Forever. If you haven't heard it, it's his take on, on the 23rd Psalm, mm-hmm. and it just reorients my heart and points me back to a God who's in control, a God who loves me, a God who cares, and a God who's got it. And it just changes when I'm ready to go, man. And then I do my devotions, and I'm off and I'm all from running. Uh, and that's what Sunday does. Um, so, the idea of Shalom, I don't know if I put it up here to see. Nope, I guess I didn't. Know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when we're in community and when we have those things going on, um, then we have start to have the peace and prosperity. We, we've been, God's given us the peace and prosperity that He desires for us. And when we go out in the world as a community and as individuals, then we should. Of care about the shalom of others. And I know that's a people word, I guess. Uh, but the, the way that I've heard it explained that made the most sense to me is the peace and prosperity of others. We should care about the peace and prosperity of others. Um, and so, Elise, my daughter, cared about the peace and prosperity of this girl. Uh, they, the girl was sitting by herself, you know, and. Uh, they care that she succeed at least in that part. Um, here, here's an example of how that looks in a really very specific case. Um, when my kids get their first job, uh, I tell them, your the job is to care about Shalom for their boss, for their co-workers, and for the people they, if they're serving somebody. And so, I said, when you go to work, uh, my daughter's trying to get, she can't get hired because she's 15. I would chip blazing because I don't hire um, but um, I said you need to care, you need to make as much money for your boss as you care. Because you're caring about the peace mm-hmm. and prosperity of your boss. You should be the one that's willing to do anything other co-workers that other co workers don't want to do. Because you're about the peace and prosperity um, of you, others. You should care about your customers when they come in. If, if you're working at Chick-fil-A, uh, what they I they always say? My pleasure. But you should you should care that they get a hot meal primarily with a smaller, I think like about this in I want a coffee shop, of course. I want a coffee shop, and I want to serve my customers uh, their caffeine, if that's what they want. I want to serve them amazing for coffee. I, this <laughs> I I want start, I want the atmosphere to be when you come in, especially if it's early morning and you're dragging it. I want my employees to, to really love what we're doing and to have a smaller on their face. Those are come on in and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and send out with uh, a, I, I, but I also want to care for the people that I'm buying my coffee from. Uh, the, my roaster friend, I want to treat him well. went want him to make, make a decent living. I want my employees to be paid a decent wage if they can, to get good tips. I want them to be able to, I care about the peace and prosperity. I want the work condition to be such that they want to come into work that they're not putting a fake smile on their face. I want the coffee, the guys that are growing my coffee to be treated well. You know, fair trade uh, to degrees here. Um, but this, the, the I know my, a lot of these farmers. I want them to be treated well and not care about the peace and prosperity of others. Um, so um, those are some of the effects of community on, onto the world that we should be caring about and we should be doing. Um, I, I do want to say one, I'll say one more thing. I don't know what time is this, uh, it's 10, okay, so I, th- I think we also I, I did put it on there, but you know that, that we that a lot of the effects of this is that people are won over to Christ, but I think we can love people without them being a project, and, and I think that's important. Um, we do um, we do a fifth quarter at the high school. Uh, we've had uh, we've had up to uh, seven hundred. Plus, kids at fifth quarter. Um, and we do, I do it with all the churches on the island. We get together and we do this. It takes about 50 people to put it on. Um, the Methodist, after the Methodist Church might kind of head it up, but we have six, seven churches involved. It's kind of expensive and we need, you need a lot of people in security and so forth. And um, my goal in that is a peace and prosperity to these students. Kent Island is a, kind of an isolated place and there's not a lot to do besides sports. I and mean, what is there it do with Kent Island? Okay. That, that's, uh, everybody McDonald's. Right? McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's. No, yeah. The college group would go to McDonald's and, and and order stuff and sit on the back of the car and put music on for two hours. It's nothing to do. So this was a way for me to to unconditionally, sacrificially, love the kids on Kent Island without treating them like private. Okay. Now, I know. To town in high school. If I go into a football game, I have a hard time walking from one side of the stadium to the other without people yelling at me and hugging me or whatever. Uh, and it's great. But I'm, i want to love them I and mean, the ultimately the best way for me to love them is that's my I mean, five uh, the, the best the the ultimate way for them to, to be loved is to know Christ and to be a part of our family. But I don't treat them like a project leader. I won't love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I'll, I'll end with this, and then I want to give you a paper if you want to read it. Um, so I pray that your community will really devote themselves to prayer, to God's word, to fellowship, and to breaking the bread. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can have a community that will make you imitate Christ more, love each other in a supernatural way, and support each other in a supernatural way. I pray your community will find Jesus to be so precious that you will have so much joy that it will meet the outside world with what you have. So I pray that you will never be be without Christian community. that you will love your community as Christ loves his bride. I pray the world will find you strange and beautiful and that because of that, you will win others to Christ. Um, So I do pray every one of you guys in here. If you're not in community, you give in community and that you never leave it. If you leave it, you would not succeed, you know, pay that way. Especially if you guys go off to school, if you guys go up to college. you, know, you guys gotta find me. I'll help you find it at least these guys. Um, I'm gonna close this in prayer, and then I this is a letter uh, from uh uh Zinny, uh I can't remember the last name. She is an RUF intern now. She uh, went I took RUF to El Salvador uh, a couple years ago and she was on the trip. She's from um, She's from some African country. She's the most beautiful person in Summit. She's gorgeous. She has an amazing personality. She's a sweetest sweet and And she wrote this letter when um, she went off to RUF and posted it on their, on their um, website because uh, she was raising funds. But she wanted this, this wasn't really a fundraising letter, this was just about her. And it shows the effect that community had on her. And it's a beautiful written letter, but also it is an amazing picture. So if you want a copy of it, I have a bunch of them here. Uh, I didn't have too long for me just to read to you guys, but it really is amazing what the community did for this this girl. I asked her for permission to show it to you guys. So I have that here. But let me close this in prayer. Then we follow. We thank you for that uh, you have given us community here on Earth words. You know, in a strange land, we are aliens here. It's hostile to us. But uh, you have given us community to uh, give us the, uh, the support, to uh, feel your love, to know your word, uh, to know you. And so we pray that you would give us beautiful communities and that we could be salt and light in the your son's name, amen. 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 All right. All right. You guys